Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. It is so good to have you, whether you're joining us online or here in person. And I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you're able to do whatever it was that you wanted to do, whether it was get with family or just hang out with friends or just have some alone time. I hope it was a meaningful holiday uh, for you. And listen, maybe your kids traveled to you and now you're watching online this morning. Maybe they bribed you to watch the service. We are glad that you're with us as well. But today we're finishing up a series. This is a three-week series we've been in called Grateful. And we've been looking at things that we're grateful for. And we've been talking about gratitude. And specifically, the first week we looked at being grateful for perseverance, how God gives us the ability to persevere, to handle life's challenges and life's setbacks and all those things that we have to face in the course of a day. And the amazing thing is, is God doesn't just give us perseverance. He walks through those things with us, right? And he makes us stronger because of those things. And then if you were with us last week, we talked about honor and how honor is a really big deal to God and how we are to honor God, right, with our, with our wealth and with our actions and with our bodies and with our worship. Really, everything we do every single day is either bringing honor to God or not bringing honor to God. But then we also talked about honoring our spouse, showing honor to our spouse and then honoring our parents and honoring our children, even honoring those leaders that are above us, whether it be in the political spectrum, whether it be at work or church or wherever. And so today, here's what I want to do. As we talk today, I'd like you just to reflect on what it is that you said over the past couple days or even the past couple weeks, what you were thankful for or what you were grateful for. Maybe you have one of those families in your traditions, you go around the table, right, before you get to eat, and you have to say what you're thankful for. I want you to reflect on what it is uh, that, that you said this week or that you've been grateful for this week, because I'm going to try to add something to your list to be grateful for today. And what we're going to talk about today is not something that we reflect on specifically all the time, maybe when times are good or when things are going well in our lives. But today I want to look at being grateful, uh, not for God so much, but God's love. You know, a lot of times we'll say, oh, I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. But I want to look specifically at God's love and truly how much God loves us and how we should be grateful For that love. Because I think once we understand the magnitude of God's love for us, our hearts will automatically become grateful for that. And what we're going to discover, first and foremost, is God just loves us. He really does. And with all the noise and with all the craziness of the world that we live in, just knowing that God loves us is reason to celebrate, it's reason to be grateful. And we're going to spend a lot of time in one verse today. A lot of times we have a lot of different verses, and we'll have several different verses today, but we're going to spend a lot of time in one verse specifically. And this verse is probably the most important verse in the entire Scripture. 
It really is. Because it sums up the entire gospel message for us in one short verse. This is the verse, if you were only exposed to one verse in your entire life, if you only read one verse or, or shared one verse, this is the verse that you would want to know. Because if you understand this verse and you act on this verse, it absolutely changes your life. And a lot of you are familiar with this verse. You, you've seen it maybe at a football game or you've seen it at a concert or on a street corner and it's John three sixteen. And we're going to look at it from the uh, New King James Version. And I just want to read it to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that should be familiar to a lot of you, at least John 3, 16, maybe not even the details of the verse, but you understand and you've heard John 3, 16. This is the entry into heaven verse, if you will. That's sometimes what it's referred to because it does, it captures every bit of the gospel message in those 25 words. And I think one of the reasons this too is a really popular verse, because let's say you're trying to help somebody to really understand who Christ is or what a relationship with Christ is all about. This is the verse you want to use. And that's why it's become so popular because it encompasses everything we need to know about the gospel in that one verse. Now, what I'm going to show you next you know, maybe you were taught this in Sunday school, if you grew up in church or vacation Bible school. So if it's repeat for you, or if it brings back memories from uh, your childhood, then that's, that, so be it. But what's interesting in the New King James Version, and I think other versions as well, translations as well, there's 12 words before this word son, and there's 12 words after this word son. And I think in the, in the NLT, it's 14 before the word son, and 14 after the word son. But what's neat is the first 12 talk about God, right? And then the second 12, uh, second 12 talk about us. And in the middle is the son. So really you could think of God's on one side, we're on the other side, and Christ is in between. And we're going to look at that in detail. But you think about it, without Christ, we don't have Christianity, right? You don't even have the word Christianity without the word Christ. We don't have Christmas without Christ. Christ is central to everything that we're going to talk about. And by the way, there's 28 days until Christmas. Not to put any undue pressure on you today after just getting through a holiday, but you need to make note of that. So let's look at the first 12 words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. That's what God did for us. This verse says that God so loves us that he sent us his son. He sent us his son to pay for our sin. Now let's look at the last 12. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him, whoever has a relationship with him, receives eternal life. That's a pretty good deal. That's why I said it's the entry into heaven verse, if you will. When we have that relationship with Christ, we receive eternal life. Now, I believe every single person is created in a way that we all have that desire to live forever. 
we know there's something else beyond us. There's something else. There's this void in our heart. There's this longing we have, but we know we weren't just created and built and designed just for this physical life. And that's what this is talking about, that eternal life. So this is a clear picture. If this is all you had, this is a clear picture of the gospel. This is a clear picture of Christianity. God's on one side. This is what he did for us. We're on the other side. This is his promise to us. And in between is Christ. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? God is on one side. We're on the other. And Christ came to bridge the gap. That's the gift he gave us because he loves us. Let's look at another verse. 1 Timothy 2, 5. I'll just show you this again. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So again, there's us, there's God, and in between is Christ. So John 3.16 shows us not only God's amazing love for us, but his invaluable gift to us, plus the path he wants us to take in having a relationship with his son. And if we take that path, we get the promise of eternal life. So what does all that mean? Here's learning number one. And if you want to follow along with our notes, I encourage you to download that Church Center app. Every week we'll have the notes and the the verses and learnings out there. But learning number one, God loves me so much and desires a relationship with me. God wants a relationship with every one of us. In other words, every single one of us is important to God. Even though sometimes we don't think that, Maybe we don't feel like we're important to God or we don't respond to God's love. We are his passion. Because that verse, John 3, 16 said, for God so loved the world. What is so loved or so loves or so love? What kind of love is that? God so loves us. That is an off the charts, really out of this world type of love that I don't think any of us will ever be able to fully understand God's love. There's just no way to understand it. Now, I can tell my wife that I love her, right? I can tell my kids that I love them. I can even tell my family and friends that I love them. But none of that compares to God's love for them. That's what kind of love so loved is. He just loves us. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't increase God's love for us. We can't decrease his love for us. The best way for me to describe it is an unconditional love. And you'll hear people say that today. Oh, my love for her is unconditional. No, it's not. It's conditional. Trust me. Right? But when you talk about God's love, a lot of times we say it's unconditional. And that means there's no strings attached. The definition of unconditional is not subject to any conditions. In other words, I can't make God love me any differently than he already loves me. I can't make him love me more. I can't do anything that's going to make him love me less. He simply loves me. He loves me when I'm good. He also loves me when I'm bad. He loves me when I'm naughty and nice, right? He just loves us no matter what we're going through, no matter what we've been through, no matter our present past or what's coming in the future. He loves us. 
Let that sink in. And again, I'm trying to get us to be grateful specifically for God's love. He will never stop loving you. That's what so loved means. In other words, we are his passion. We are significant to God. That's how much he loves us. Now, uh, from a worldly perspective, I think I used the wrong statistic a couple weeks ago. I thought there was like 7 billion people on the planet. Now they're saying there's like 8 billion people on the planet. But you are one in 8 billion people right now. You are incredibly insignificant, right? I'm insignificant. One in 8 billion. The odds of winning the lottery are one in 292 million. You know how I know that? Because I looked up the Powerball odds a couple weeks ago. And you guys bought a ticket too, all right? Your odds of winning that Powerball were one in 292 million. Your odds of significance are one out of eight billion. We are insignificant from a worldly perspective. But you know what God says? God says each and every one of us are significant because he so loves us and he sent his son for us. God knows our name. He designed us. He created us. He thought us up. We're significant because he loves us. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. We will never understand it fully. So if you don't take anything away from today other than this, I want you to take this away. You matter to God. God loves you. Here's something else. Learning number two. God loves me so much that he sent his only son to pay for my sins. That's part of what John 3, 16 told us, his only begotten son. I'm grateful that Jesus came to basically pay my penalty. And that may not have been what I said going around the Thanksgiving table. It may not have been what you said. But when we examine this verse, John 3, 16, and we realize how much God loves us and what he actually did for us, it makes us grateful. And do you realize God would have sent Jesus to die on the cross if you were the only person on this planet? If you were the only one, he still would have sent his son. That's how much he loves us. He sent his very own son to tell us how much he loves us. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a messenger. He didn't proclaim it through a prophet or, or through a pastor or create some incredibly neat viral TikTok video to tell us he loves us. Why? Right? He sent his very own son. That's how much he loves us. Some of us may say that we're generous, right? We're generous at the church. We're generous with the charity. We're generous at work. We're generous with our family. And I get that. A lot of you are very, very generous. But would any of us be that generous to send one of our children to die for somebody else? It's just a picture of his love for us. So why did he do it? Why, his only son, his only begotten son, why did he send his son to do it? You ever thought about that? Because 
Somebody had to pay for our sins. Somebody had to pay for my sin. Somebody had to pay for your sins. Now think about it like this. In our country, even in our state, there's a lot of laws, right? There's a lot of laws that we have to obey. Other countries have lots of laws. If you break a law, there's a penalty, right? Maybe you got a speeding ticket over Thanksgiving, right? You, you broke the posted speed limit. You exceeded the posted speed limit. You got pulled over. What was the penalty? It's a ticket, right? Or let's say you, you commit some crazy crime and you get caught. There's a penalty for that. A lot of times it's jail time or it's probation, but there is a penalty when we break laws. It's the same way when it comes to God's law. We got to pay God's penalty. You know what the penalty is for our sin? It's in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. In other words, the payment for our sin is death, physical death. That is a pretty heavy penalty, isn't it? That means either I've got to pay for everything that I've done wrong or somebody else has to pay for everything that I've done wrong. That's why God sent Jesus. That's so loved us. That's how much he loves us. He sent his son to pay the penalty for us, to stand in our place. In other words, to take our punishment. That's why he sent Jesus to pay for our sin. It'd be like you're accused of this crime and you go to court and you get 25 years in prison and then somebody else serves your sentence. And you walk out of the courtroom and you just continue on living your life as if nothing happened. That's what Christ did for us. He paid the penalty, God's penalty, for our sin. That's how much he loves us. That's why we're grateful or should be grateful for his love. Let's look at it another way, Romans 5, 8. But God showed, what have we been talking about? His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Even though God knew our sin, even though he knew that you and I were responsible to pay the penalty for our sin, he sent his son to do it for us. Why? Because of his great love for us. Because he so loves us. A love we should be grateful for. So how do we receive it? How do we receive that payment for our sins, that, that Christ paid for our sins? And John 3, 16 tells us, let's look at the uh, last part of that verse, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how we receive it. We invite Christ into our life. We believe in him. We have a relationship with him. Here's something else, learning number three. A relationship with Christ is available to everyone. That verse we just read said, whoever believes in him. Now, maybe you grew up and you weren't really taught that, that Jesus was available to everybody. Maybe you were taught he's only available to good people. Right? You were taught, you know, if you drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, 
or run around with girls that do, you can't have Jesus, right? Y'all were taught that as a kid, right? A lot of us didn't listen. Or maybe you were taught that you had to be in church every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night, and your life had to revolve around the church or you couldn't have a relationship with Christ. Or you had to wear the right clothes or live in the right place or go to the right school or Christ wasn't available to you. God says, that's not true. There's no requirements other than believing in him. Now that word believe, that's not just head knowledge, right? That is heart knowledge as well. I heard a pastor one time say, people are gonna miss heaven by this much because they got it in their head, but it's not in their heart. It hadn't transformed their heart, right? You gotta believe in Christ. Now, a lot of people believe in Christ, believe that Christ existed, that he walked the face of the earth. He's not just recorded in scripture, he's recorded in secular history. So people know Jesus lived on this earth. They've got the head knowledge, but it never got to their heart. It was just knowledge for them. So believing in Jesus and having a relationship with Christ are kind of two different things, right? We believe and receive Christ. We have a relationship with him, which means I'm going to commit my life to him. I'm going to start following him instead of me leading the way. That's what it means to believe in this verse. Romans 3, 22. We are made right with God. Remember, we're the sons in between us and God. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for who? Everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It's available to everyone. That means we let Christ be in charge of our life. He gave his life for us. We give our life to him in return and we follow him. We try to model his character. We let him, God, lead and direct us. And I gotta be honest, this part thrills me. No matter who we are. So many people, we've been trying to tell people that at least at this church for 12 years. That's why we started this church to tell people it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what's going on in your life now. Christ is available to you. When you look at history and you look at the history of the church, not this church, but the universal church and, and churches, so many people have felt condemned and shunned and judged by the church. And they've been told their past is too bad or their presence, or their present is too bad for them to have a relationship with Christ. There's no way that God could love you because of you're doing this in your life or you're doing that. You gotta start doing this or you gotta stop doing that. No, God says, no matter who you are, Christ is available to everyone. Salvation is available to everyone. And we hear that but the truth is, we don't really deep down all the time believe that. We look at somebody and the way they're living their life, and we're like, yeah, I don't think they're too far gone. I mean, have you met my neighbor, Matt? Right? You know my friend, Justin? And we think, ah, I know God says it's available to everyone, but really this person? Maybe instead of thinking this person's too far gone, maybe those are the people we should be praying for. 
that God would continue to call until they respond to his call because nobody's too far gone according to God. Let's look at the last part of John 3.16. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is his desire for us, right? That we should not perish. And his promise to us is that we have eternal life. You can take that promise to the bank. I love how the King James Version, says, New King James says everlasting. What, how long is everlasting? It's a pretty long time, isn't it? It's more than 100 years. It's more than 1,000 years. It's forever. It's eternal, everlasting. God uses the word everlasting in the word eternal, in the word eternity and forever throughout the Scripture over and over again. Why? Because he wants us to get that point. He wants us to understand eternity, and that's his promise. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants us to live with him forever. And that's why we're grateful for this everlasting life. That means we never truly die, right? We do have to go through physical death, just like Jesus did on the cross, but we know the promise of God is everlasting life. And when a person physically dies, they breathe their last breath on earth, they're immediately in the presence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I'm grateful that God loves us so much he gives us everlasting life. Now I want to talk about just for a minute the suffering that Christ went through. Because when we think about God's love, and okay, he gave us his son so that we could have everlasting life. He paid the penalty for our sins. I don't think we fully comprehend sometimes the penalty that Christ paid for our sin and how much suffering he truly went through. You know, on the night that he was arrested, they kept him up all night and, and put him through all these trials. And they were really, in the day, illegal trials because they happened at night. They weren't supposed to be, trials weren't supposed to be held at night. They were supposed to be held during the day. But he went through three Roman trials and three Jewish trials. All this is long before he gets to the cross. And then the Roman soldiers took him and they blindfolded him. Remember, and then they spit on him and they smacked him and they hit him. I think it's the book of Isaiah says they plucked out his beard simply to torture him. And they made a crown of thorns. You know, we think of a little rose thorn and how it hurts when it gets in our... They jammed this crown of thorns into his head, big thorns, just to hold that crown on, just to make him suffer. And then after that, you remember what they did? They flogged him. They beat him with a cat of nine tails, which is a leather whip that had all these little extensions off of it. And at the end of those extensions was like rock and bone and metal. And it was designed to tear the flesh out of the back. They had a law that said you could not hit a person more than 40 times in a flogging like that. Because if you did, then you were subject to the exact same punishment that you had just given that person. So they always stopped at 39. And they'd have multiple people counting because they didn't want to mess up. So they'd stop one short of what the law said. But by the time he got through with these 39 lashes, 
His back is open. He's bleeding. He's lost so much blood, he's gotten weak. Then they make him carry his cross to the crucifixion site. And he can't even make it the whole way carrying the cross because he's lost so much blood. He's so weary. Simon of Cyrene has to carry it the rest of the way. And then when Jesus gets to where he's going to be crucified, they stretch his arms out on the cross and they nail his arms to the cross. And then what they would do is they would bend the, the knees and then nail the feet together into the cross. And the reason they did that was another form of torture when you're on the cross. Because you could breathe in, but you couldn't exhale. So you would have to push up on that cross on that one spike through your feet to be able to exhale. And can you imagine your back going up and down on that rough wood and it was already open? He went, and I know that's graphic, but I want us to understand how much suffering he went through to pay the penalty for our sin. And we mentioned a couple weeks ago that before, uh, before the crucifixion, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying to his heavenly father. And he prayed so hard and it was so intense that he sweated blood. This is part of what he prayed. Matthew 26, 39. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Cup of suffering. Cup in the New Testament often refers to a person's fate right? And so Jesus is saying, hey, God, if there is any other way to pay for Scott's sins and Justin's sins and Mary's sins and everybody's sins, if there's any other way to pay for their sins other than this excruciating death I'm getting ready to go through on the cross, I am game. I am all ears, but I want your will to be done and not mine. I believe that Jesus knew every sin that he was taking to the cross. That's why it was so, so intense, so much suffering for him. I think he knew every murder, every rape, every gossip, every slander, every theft, everything when he took him on the cross. And his last words on the cross were, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished, I'm through, I'm done. He said, it is finished, because he wasn't finished, right? He came back from the dead. He rose from the dead. That's what we celebrate at Easter. But he said, it is finished. What was he talking about? The penalty for our sin was paid. Paid in full. Once and for all. All we have to do is receive it. By what? Believing in him. By having a relationship with him. Letting him lead our life. We got to quit trying to earn it. We got to trip quit trying to be good enough or nice enough that God looks with us. He loves us. He so loves us. That's why he sent Christ to pay the penalty. God so loved the world. That's every single one of us. I am grateful for God's love, that he loves us so much he sent his son to die for us, and we can be saved, and we can have that everlasting life. So I think the question becomes, are you grateful for God's love? Are you grateful for his plan of salvation? Are you grateful for his plan for us to be made right with him and our sins to be paid? 
Are you grateful that God has a plan to overcome physical death, which none of us look forward to? But he's got a plan for us to overcome it. It's called eternal or everlasting life. That's why I'm grateful for God's love. That's why we should be grateful that he so loved us and he so loves us today. I don't think a lot of times we, we really focus on just how much he loves us and just how significant each of us is to him. So let me ask, have you ever accepted what God did for you personally? Have you ever received forgiveness of your sins because Christ died for your sins? Have you ever invited him into your life? And maybe you haven't. Maybe you grew up and always being told, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You got to stop doing that. God's not going to love you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. For everyone who believes, it's available. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's something you'd like to do. So when we pray and close out today, I'll lead you in a prayer if that's something that you want to do. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your love. God, we, we sing songs as kids and we tell our kids and our, you know, we tell others that you love us. But God, today really helps me to understand how much you love me and how much you love each and every one of us. You love us so much you gave us your only son. Maybe you're watching today or you're here and you've never started that relationship with Christ. Maybe you always thought it was about rules and regulations and you thought it was about all your fun being stripped away. But now you understand just how much God loves you and how much he desires a relationship with you. And if you want to invite him into your life, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do that. You don't have to pray out loud. You're just praying from your heart. Just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you. But now I know that's why you sent Jesus, to stand in my place, to pay for my sin. So Jesus, as best I know how, I'm inviting you into my heart. I believe in you and I want to receive your gift of forgiveness. I don't understand everything, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going to let you lead my life from now on. God, help us this week to truly reflect on how much you love us. When we get down and discouraged and we don't think we're good enough and we mess up and we sin and we stumble and we fall, help us to remember just how much you love us. And God, and for those that don't know you, don't have a relationship with you, we would pray you would continue to pursue them. Some of them are our friends. Some of them are our family members, the people we're married to, our children. Lord, that you would never give up on them. Your desire is for us to have a relationship with you. So we pray that you would continue to call them. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. As we finish up today, I want to encourage you to uh, fill out that electronic connection card. You can access that through that.
church center app. If you've got prayer requests, be sure to put those down. We'll give those to our prayer team. Man, they are so faithful each and every week to pray, each and every day really, to pray those prayer requests. Next week, we're kicking off our Christmas series. That is, I cannot believe we are 28 days from Christmas, but we are, so get on with it. Um, and, and we're going to kick off our Christmas series next week. I want to encourage you to bring a friend. Uh, most people come to church because of a personal invite, especially around Christmas time. And we did publish our uh, Christmas Eve service times and our end of the year schedule last week, so make sure you check out the website uh, for that and pick one of those Christmas Eve Eve or Christmas Eve services that works best for you in your family. I hope you have a terrific week. Thanks for being here today. God bless you guys.